There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, how to generate cash flow with DeFi. And we have headlines. That's today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. I almost had a brain fart right in the middle of that sentence. I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, the date. By the way, I was on Twitter spaces last night talking about the campaign, talking about crypto, talking about all kinds of things. If you want to listen to that about one hour and 15 minute conversation, you can click the link in the show notes. I just want to let you know it was out there. But now let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 11.50 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $39,862, up 4.4% in 24. Ethereum's at $2,291, up a half a percent. Tether's in the number three spot, while Binance Coin's in the number four spot at 314, up 0.6%. And Cardano's up 2% at $1.30. Rounding off the top 10, XRP has hit at an all-time high since June 20th. So that's a weird way to say that. It's the highest it's been since June 20th, in which is sitting at 70.9 cents. USDC is in the number seven spot. Dogecoin is in the number eight spot. Polkadot number nine and BUSDs in the number 10 spot. Total market cap, we're at $1.55 trillion and a BTC dominance of 48.3%. In our main conversation today, I'm talking to Nathan Beckerman, who is going to tell us about DeFi and cash flow. Nathan, how you doing, man? Welcome back to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me back, Matthew. Love love what we did last time. I'm happy to do a deep dive again. Excellent, excellent. Because, you know, the biggest question that everybody wants to know is, okay, fine, you can take loans and collateral and stuff like that, but they, how do you generate cash flow with DeFi, yeah. man? How do you make that money? It was the same question I had, uh, and I did, you know, probably a couple thousand hours worth of research, and that's what we're here to talk about. Let me get that thousand hours in five minutes. Got it. So long story short, the easiest way to generate cash on cash cash flow, for lack of a better term, is using stable coins. And so stable coins allow you as an individual to convert your cash, what, what you, whatever you have in your savings account, your checking account, or really anywhere that's sitting not generating much, uh, to generate upwards of two, three, four, five percent. Now, remember, last time we spoke about higher the yield, higher the risk. But you can, if you can generate two percent, you know your savings account right now at any major bulge back at bank is giving you less than half a percent. So there's there's opportunity there. Um, the what are the risks? You know the most important thing of like what do you do when you can generate some yield on your stable coins? Number one is depegging risk, which basically means that the stable coin no longer represents one U.S. dollar. That's one risk, and the second risk is a smart contract risk or uh, more commonly known as uh, collateral risk, right? So who's holding your cash? Who's holding your stable coins uh, and make sure that they're secure? I can tell you right now that you can go on platforms like Aave, Compound, uh, even on Coinbase, and you can deposit 
some stable coins. There's there's a quite a few out there at this point. I, I won't name any names, just not to not to give preference. But you can go out there and deposit your stable coins and earn two percent right now. Easy. Uh, there's more aggressive platforms where you can do some liquidity providing on uh, places like Curve, Uniswap, where you can do uh, liquidity mining for stables. So people like you and me who want to change their UST to USDC, for example, uh, they need someone to provide liquidity for that trade. And you can do that uh, with minimal price action risk and put your stable coins out there and earn yield. Uh, those yields are higher than the two three percent, but obviously there's a little bit more risk. That was the thousand hours. So, so what is that little bit more risk? So I've been seeing, like for example, there's been a couple of protocols that have been hacked the other day. Uh, for example, Rune Thorchain. Thor I think they're probably one of the yeah. liquidity providers. They had one hack for five million dollars, another one for eight. Good thing that they do have like a safe a Safu fund, so they're covering those uh, losses and they're giving reimbursing everybody for those losses. Right. But some companies do not have that uh, contingency plan and they won't reimburse, and you just basically lose all your money. Yeah. Um, is, is that the risk? Is a smart contract? Contracts uh, when you're talking about the right. higher leader liquidity providers. Yes, that's that's the, the part of the smart contract risk. You need to make sure there's no bugs in the smart contract. Uh, the the first risk that I mentioned, the depegging risk, it's also worth mentioning. Recently, the U.S. federal government uh, initiated an inquiry on USDT or Tether uh, because they claim. Uh, and now I'm not saying it's true or false. They claim that for every dollar that you have in USDT, they have a US dollar to back it up, deposited in a bank account. The question really becomes is what are they doing with those dollars? Uh, but that's not something for us to discuss. But the point there is if USDT has a run on USDT and everyone wants to redeem their USDT, uh, it goes from a dollar to 90 cents. That's a risk for you. Uh, so it's something to be mindful of. The other risk, as you mentioned, is if I'm going to compound and I'm, you know, loaning out my USDC or UST, USDT, um, what are they doing with it? And if there's a run on compound or compound has a bug, they get hacked, then I'm in trouble. So those are the two risks to be mindful of. You definitely have to be comfortable. And again, with yield comes risk. There's no free lunch out here, uh, but there's there's definitely ways to, to do it. And by the way, when you put your money in an interest-bearing account in a bulge back bracket bank in the U.S., you're also taking a risk. The problem is people don't consider those risks a lot of the times. Uh, you're not FDI insured, uh, FDIC insured when you're earning interest on your deposits. Uh, that's nowhere. It has to be a non-interest-bearing account, like your checking account. That one is FDIC insured. An interest-bearing account is not insured. So if you're going to take risk, you might as well get compensated for it. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. There are some stable coins that are a lot more transparent and, and forthcoming with their transparency. I saw that USDC or um, uh, Circle yes. put out a, a transparency report about what is backing their USDC, and it was pretty transparent. Um, right. I have, do you know about other stable coins that do that? I know that USDT has done that, but at the request of the Attorney General of New York. However, uh, I don't know if uh, BUSD has done so or any other stable coin. There's the centralized stable coins like USDT and USDC. USDC is a lot more uh, transparent. You're right. They're audited by uh, a public financial uh, accounting firm and Circle is actually going public. Um, 
through a SPAC. So that, that to me are positive signs if I were, you know, to be in the market. And a SPAC uh, is a special purpose acquisition company, correct? Exactly. Special purpose acquisition company. And that's, and those are just there to uh, get people, get companies that are not on traded on say the NASDAQ or, or the stock exchange right. to come get to be publicly traded. Exactly. It's a, okay. it's basically a quick way to, to, to avoid having to do an IPO and you quickly become public. They're also known as blank check companies. So people raise hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars. And they say, look, the circle is a great company. I'm going to buy a bunch of your stock with all this money that I raised publicly and all of a sudden, your stock is now publicly traded. Right. Okay. Understood. Um, so, but but making them publicly traded, and by the way, Circle was backed by Coinbase and USDC. So Coinbase is also public. Um, so when you're a public company, there's a lot more regulatory compliance that you need to have. You financial statements have to be audited. So there's a lot more information that needs to be public. And that makes me a lot more comfortable, personally. Um, Agreed. So... The other point I was going to make is there's other stable coins that are algorithmic stable coins and not necessarily backed by one US dollar, but they're backed by other assets and algorithmically uh, kept at a one-to-one peg, like DAI, for example, or UST from the Luna ecosystem, Terra, if you've heard of them. Also, I'm a big fan of that, that ecosystem as well. Understood. So you did mention that there is higher yield for uh, smart contracts and then uh, just for interest bearing accounts where you give them the stable coin, there's probably more lower yield, 2 to 5%. However, there are companies out there, say Voyager and BlockFi, they're offering anywhere from 7.5% to 9% uh, returns on it. And just to let everybody know what that means, say if you put a $100,000 into, say, a 9% um, interest account, you are making 9% of that $100,000, which is nine grand, uh, which is a hell of a good return if so if it's a million dollars in there you're it's ninety thousand dollars right um what's going on with them and if they're if they are not as i know they're not smart contracts uh they're an interest bearing account Uh, correct how do they pay such a good yield that's correct um so they they're doing a couple things obviously that's part of the you know as we mentioned more risk more reward they are using a lot of those stable coins to generate loans and leverage. Those are the two big things, which basically the same thing. But a lot of times people want to leverage their positions on crypto, on Bitcoin and what and whatnot. And stable coins are a great way to, to offer leverage to those clients. The other thing is that those uh, centralized companies, BlockFi, Celsius and such, they're using those stable coins to generate higher interest than they're paying out. Obviously, they're a business. They're trying to generate profit. So if they're giving you 9%, they're looking to generate more than 9% on that position. The beautiful thing is there's a ton of uh, ways to generate higher interest. Obviously, they have to take some market risk. And that's when you as an individual need to be careful of what the company is doing with your stables. Any last uh, final thoughts or, I guess, tales of caution for somebody that wants to generate a little bit? You know, what you were saying here is, Make your money work for you. And there's a lot of ways in this DeFi space that your money can be working for you. If you have capital, it could be generating more capital. And we're not even talking about um, compounding interest here. A lot of these uh, companies are compounding interest. So they're paying you interest. It's adding to your account and you're getting paid on the new balance of that's generating more interest that's adding to your account and which is basically just creating more wealth. Are there any cautionary tales that you want to say before we end this? 
Yes. So what, what I would say, I mean, look, the most important thing from an investor's perspective, and I am an investor, I'm not a trader. There's a big difference there, uh, is that you need to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, and what I mean by that is diversified with who you're depositing with, diversified across what type of smart contracts you're, you're investing in, uh, and also what type of stables you're using. Um, so I would always, always tell most, most of my clients and investors that they should be diversified across the risk spectrum. And so there, there are some positions that you're willing to take more risk and you'll have a higher yield. And there are some loss, losses that you need to take. Generally speaking, from a portfolio, no position should have more than 2 to 3% of your entire portfolio weight. That's kind of a rule of thumb that I usually give my clients. Nathan Beckerman, thank you very much for coming back on the show to talk to us about generating cash flow with DeFi. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Moving into today's headlines. Binance is launching a tax reporting tool that will enable its users to keep track of their crypto activities and streamline reporting requirements, says a statement that was released yesterday. Binance CEO CZ Zhao, he's for regulations. He says, the fact is that many countries around the world, crypto regulations are still evolving and we are all discovering the right path for this promising, young and exciting industry. I believe a well-developed legal regulatory framework in the long term will be a solid foundation that truly makes crypto essential for everyone's daily life. And I tend to agree. Actually, that leads into our other headline. Yesterday, in a letter to the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, Senator Elizabeth Warren said, the longer that the United States waits to adopt a proper regulatory regime for these assets, meaning cryptocurrencies, the more likely they become so intertwined in our financial system that there could be potentially serious consequences if this market comes under stress. And I agree with the regulatory framework. I think that we need a regulatory framework to allow the consumer's protection to allow the consumer's confidence, they allow the business's confidence to continue to grow, innovate, and we need to make sure that we foster innovation and these products that are coming out from these different cryptos or companies or protocols and so on and so forth. Honestly, it's not going to be an easy task. It's going to be a heavy lift to really understand the nuances of this industry and create a framework that allows everyone to prosper. And I agree. And so we have to get it right, but we have to slow down and have these conversations, but also be diligent and efficient and move and work forward so these regulations are in place and doesn't stifle innovation. And finally, the crypto space is a little volatile. Uh, I think that that's what they call it, right? When we go up and down like crazily all the time, you know, we just went from $30,000 Bitcoin to $40,000 Bitcoin, which I, I think is pretty damn exciting. But a lot of people don't like that. And I, I understand why. And Robinhood, well, they're trying to fix that. They, they're calling it price volatility protection. And this is a hidden code within the Robinhood iPhone test app that's trying to curb this uh, volatility. And Bloomberg found this in the code. And they found a message within this code. And it says, to protect your orders against price volatility, we may sometimes skip your recurring orders or buy less than your chosen amount. In other words, if the price goes up too quickly, Robinhood could override your order so that you don't get screwed. But if you have a reoccurring order for like 50 bucks of Bitcoin, I mean, you're just buying 50 bucks of Bitcoin and that's what you want, right? And so if it does go up really quick or down really quick, you still want that Bitcoin price. So I guess I'm wondering, who is this actually protecting? Are you protecting Robinhood because of the volatility and they have to honor these orders if it goes up or down really quick? So, or are you protecting the client? Are you protecting the customer, the consumer? 
or is it protecting both? I, I'm not too sure if this is actually in the best interest of the consumer and not of Robinhood. Maybe it's an insurance thing. Maybe it's a capital thing. Maybe it's a liquidity thing. I'm, I'm not too sure. What are your thoughts? I kind of feel that if you are in a trading network and you want to buy something, then you, you buy it. It's on the risk of the consumer. Not on the company to start throttling your trades because of price volatility. And then what is price volatility? How much is price volatility? Is it 10%, 30%, 50%? or 3% or is it just you know whatever they think is out of the norm I, I don't know anyway there's a lot of questions to be asked about this kind of function it makes me wonder if they're acting really in the accordance of protecting the consumer not protecting their own ass thank you for listening to this episode of the decrypt daily my name is Matthew Deemer don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts like subscribe share and leave us a comment also you can send me an email matthewaron at decrypt.co Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.